Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We hope this has been a good holiday season and will continue to be. I can officially say that my kids are unofficially, officially Cajuns. How can I say that? They woke up this morning, looked outside and said, Daddy, it snowed, okay? The frost on the ground, my kids thought was snow. Yes, that's what you have done to them. I'm just gonna let you know. And we love it. And we are so thankful to be in South Louisiana where we think frost is snow at the same time. But I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas. How many of you are ready for Christmas? You say, I'm ready for it, Pastor. I got my gifts all set up. Men, this is for you. Your gifts are set up, ready to go. You're ready there. I know that, that gift giving sometimes around this year can be a little crazy. Amen? Come on, right? My wife's been working since before Black Friday, right? It's like they have White Tuesday and, and Yellow Wednesday. It's like it's way before and my wife has been working so hard and she's the gift giver. I'm really not the gift giver. It's not my love language. I'm the gift receiver. I'll receive gifts. But my kids are all crazy about gifts. And they're at that age right now where I want this. I want this. Every commercial they see, it's I want that. I want that. I'm like, you don't want that. You're just saying that. And eventually I just want to go like, you're, no one's getting anything. And, and someone sent me a meme and I have to share it with you guys because it is too good to pass up. And mark my words, church, one day I will do this for my family. One day I will do this. And here's what it says. Me lying under the Christmas tree to remind my family that I am the gift. You don't need anything else. Come on. I am the gift. And I literally want to do that one morning. I just want to be wrapped under a tree and go, surprise, this is all you're getting. It's me. It's your daddy. You know, the truth is, is that I know we're laughing at this. This is what God did. This is what Christmas is really all about. The present is his presence. How many know that? And the essence of Christmas is really found in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, where the prophet Isaiah is speaking and it's retold in the Christmas story in Matthew, where it says this, it says, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That is the essence of Christmas. That God was the ultimate gift giver in giving his son. Matter of fact, Robert Flatt said it like this, and I love this quote. It says, the giving of gifts is not something man invented. God started the giving spree when he gave the gift beyond words, the unspeakable gift of his son. Come on, somebody. It's the gift of his son. And in this season where we understand what gifts are, we have to really unpack it. And as, as I was praying this week, just God, what do you want to speak? Christmas messages are all over. We've heard a million nativity scene, mangers, wise men, shepherd, and there's so much you can do. But God spoke through his name spoke through that prophet, spoke through that verse. And I want this morning, I want us to really look at what does that mean? God is with us. Because if we're really honest this morning, 
it can be difficult to believe that God is with us. What do you mean, Pastor Chris? I mean this, that when the storms of life come, and they all come, amen, it's difficult to believe that God is with us. It's difficult to believe that the storms of life, is God really with me? Some of you are in some storms right now. Some of you are going through some of life's storms and life's struggles right now because they hit you from all over. Some of you are dealing with divorce right now, whether it be your parents or yourself. And it's the first Christmas you're dealing with where you're dealing with this divorce and there's a storm raging all around you. And you're wondering, where is God? Is God with me in this season? Some of you are battling with depression. The storm of, that's raging around you is this spirit of depression that seems to be plaguing you. Some of you are battling this morning with addiction or maybe you're battling with the storm of cancer this morning where it seems like God isn't with me because this storm is all around me. Anybody ever been there, ever felt that way? I'm the only one. I've been there. I've seen it. And many times these holidays end up triggering us in multiple ways to feel like it's not really a cheerful, joyful season. It's not God with us. Many times it can feel more like grief with us. Amen. Pain with us, struggle with us. Or storms, the storms of life with us. Because I've heard this a million times from different pastors. Time and time again, they say this quote, and it's, it's the truth, and I think it's meant to be encouraging, but in a way, it kind of has the opposite effect. I've heard this about storms, the storms of life. It says, you're either in a storm, you're either coming out of a storm, or there's a storm right around the corner. Come on. And it's like, I don't know if that's meant to help me or hurt me, right? But then when I hear that, I begin analyzing my life. Where am I at right now? In the storms, if we're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or there's one right around the corner, I'm thinking to myself, where am I right now? You might be asking yourself that same question. Where am I right now? And I don't believe that truth is meant to scare us. I think it's meant to prepare us. Because whether we like it or not, storms are coming. And the storms, let me just say, the storms of life get us to question things that we shouldn't question. What do you mean, Pastor Chris? I mean it this way. The problem usually isn't the storm. It's that the storm provokes something in us to say, is God really with me? It doesn't feel like it. I can't see it. I haven't spoke to him in a while. He doesn't, that song I used to worship with and just get goosebumps and teary-eyed. Now I just sit there with my hands down, right? And you're just wondering, I'm in this storm and the storm begins to get you to question, is God with me in this storm? I believe he might be for other people, but I don't know, Pastor Chris, I don't think he's with me. I wanna encourage you this morning in the storms of life with this one thought. Please don't miss this. If you leave here and you just, you forget everything, please don't forget this. This is the truth I want you to take away this morning. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. 
Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, God sent himself in the form of his son and said, I want to be with you. I'm gonna name him Emmanuel, God with us. It's the glory of God. So I wanna unpack that this morning because the storms of life are here. And I wanna look at a storm in the, in the book of Acts chapter 27. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But in the book of Acts is all about the first century church. This is after Jesus died, he was raised again, and now he's resurrected. He ascended into heaven in Acts chapter one. Acts chapter two, he does what he promised he would do. He sent to help her in the form of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter two, Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit breaks out, and now churches are being planted in the first century all throughout the region, all throughout the land. Jesus' name is being spread. And, they, and he's, it's coming through multiple people, but really the book of Acts tracks the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a missionary that began planting churches, telling people about Jesus. He spoke with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. He was knocked off his high horse and became a believer of Jesus, planting churches everywhere he went. But in Acts chapter 27, towards the end, Paul is a prisoner and he gets taken on this boat and they're going to Rome. And on this boat, they literally hit a storm. We would know it as a hurricane. They didn't have meteorologists. They didn't have a weather app where you just go on and say, oh, hurricane's coming. Let me get out of the way, right? They didn't have that. And so they begin panicking, throwing things overboard. It's chaos. And then we enter in right here in this storm in verse 20 of Acts chapter 27. Here's what it says. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Church, how many of you feel that way right now in that storm? That you feel like it is continuing to rage and you gave up all hope of someone, something, God actually helping you through it. All hope was lost of being saved. Where? that spouse that you want to sit next to you, you've been praying for, it feels like they're not coming back and they're not gonna sit next to you. It feels like that for some of you, you're gonna be alone the rest of your life. It's the storm of loneliness. For some of you, you're just, you feel like you never, you've lost all hope of getting out of debt. You're, you're wondering why even try. For some of you, you're trying to have a child. If some of you are trying to graduate. You just feel like it's never going to happen. Some of you, you feel like you'll always be depressed and the hope is lost. The situation was so bleak in this instant that even the super Christian apostle Paul said all hope was lost. All hope was lost. This is the man that would touch people and miracles would happen. This is the man that spoke and power would begin to flow out of him to other people. This is the man who spoke to the resurrected Jesus face to face. Now, I, I, I don't even want to ask who's spoken to Jesus face to face. Some of y'all might say, be crazy enough to say me, right? But this was a man who literally spoke to Jesus, was converted in an instant, and he has lost all hope because of the storm. You ever felt that way? Or you've lost all hope where the storm is just too much and you're just going, I'm gonna be all alone. All hope is lost. 
Verse 21. The story continues. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them, before the whole crew, before everybody. And he said, men, you should have taken my advice (laughs) and not sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Pause. I love the fact that Paul interrupted this service announcement to let you know, I told y'all this was going to happen, right? How many times do we want to tell that to people and tell it to others, especially our kids? I told you that would happen. I told you you hurt your brother. I told you. Paul is not above. He's not so spiritual that he doesn't want to say, I told y'all this would happen, right? Let me say one one of the blessings of being a pastor is I I get to use this word and the anointing God has given me to help give people pastoral advice in times that they need. But the hard part is, is when they don't receive or take that advice. And it's frustrating because I want to help them, but sometimes they don't want to help themselves. Anybody know anybody like that? No? Stop hitting your neighbor next to you, okay? But there was was about five years ago, I had a couple that came and they just, they wanted some advice and they were wondering what to do. Super young couple. And I told them, I said, whatever y'all do, do not move in together. I said, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's against God's word. You can't, God just won't bless it. I said, but the second thing is, if you don't trust God's word, trust his, trust science. Because science has proven that if you live together before getting married, you're not going to have a happy marriage. The happiest marriages are the ones that don't live together. So now it's not a period of testing. So I gave them this pastoral advice, spiritual, as well as a little bit of scientific. So I thought it was a great case for them. And they're like, okay, great. Well, of course, they end up living together. Three months later, I, I kid you not, she comes walking down the front after a service, crying, Pastor Chris? I said, yes. She goes, you were right, you know. And as a pastor, I love those words. Um, (laughs) Totally kidding. But everything in my being wanted to go, I told you so. I told you this would happen. And I didn't. I was very reserved. But Paul wasn't here. And that's what I love about this is that we see this super Christian, Paul, going, I told you guys, I told you this would happen and no one listened to me. I told you that we would hit a storm, but you wouldn't listen to me. And many times when we hit storms, when things happen and things get crazy, can I just tell you, many times we blame the devil. Come on. We want to be spiritual in times of spirituality, but we don't want to be spiritual when it's not spiritual. And all of a sudden, we begin to blame the devil. What what do you mean, Pastor Chris? We begin to blame the devil for the decision we made. Come on. Like, for, for instance, you spend too much money on gifts, and you go, the devil's trying to take my money right now. The Lord wants to bless me. What are you talking about? You blew your budget out the water, you know. And they're like, nope, the devil's trying to take my money. No, you're giving your money away. Or, or, or some of you, some of us mouth off to our boss and you go, hey, the devil's trying to take my job. No, you're just not a good employee. Let's be honest. You mouthed off to your boss. Or, or some of us, this is, this is probably my, my favorite one, is when people told you not to date him, but you did it anyway. Because you use the word, well, he had good potential. He had some potential and now, now you look at it and you go, the devil's trying to take that relationship. The devil didn't take it. You put yourself in that situation right 
there. And I say this with all humility and all the fear of God is many times we think that God isn't with us because we made a bad decision. Maybe that's why in the boat, they all lost all hope. Maybe that's why when they were with Paul and it said they lost all hope, it was because they knew they made a poor decision. They knew they should have made the different one, but we begin to go, well, guess what? God isn't with me because I made this poor decision. Because I made a foolish decision, God can't bless me, isn't with me, and I just have to deal with it myself. Let me speak against that lie. I am so thankful that God's presence isn't negated by my stupidity. God's presence, it doesn't say God is with us only when you make wise choices. It doesn't say God, he's Emmanuel, God with us, only when you do like godly, super spiritual things like come to church and read your Bible, right? If that was the case, none of us would be good enough to come before God. None of us would have the presence of God with us. And so in spite of our foolish decisions, he's still Emmanuel. Listen to me, me and you can't change who he is. He's good even when we're not good. It's just who he is. But how many know the opposite is true too? What about, Pastor Chris, when it's not my fault? Like Paul, you're in that situation and Paul is in that boat and he's looking at him going, I told y'all this was going to happen. Pastor, well, what about when it's not my fault? It wasn't my fault. I'm in this storm because of other people. Has anybody ever been there or because you've been in a storm because of other people? Don't hit your neighbor next to you, please. Okay. But you're in a storm and you keep blaming everyone else because it's their foolish decision. They chose to cheat. They chose to lie. They chose to steal. They chose. Now I'm in this storm because of their foolish decisions. I'm now in this storm because my boss, my company couldn't do right with what they had and they went bankrupt. Now I lose my job. Now I suffer. I'm in a storm because of someone else's foolish decisions. Or, or, or you got in a car accident and now I'm dealing with everything because someone doesn't know how to do the Cajun U-turn the right way. Come on. You know what happens in this? It's easy, easier, let me say this. It's easier to bear the weight of storms when you know it's not self-inflicted. How many know it's difficult when it's other people's fault? And you're walking through a storm because someone else shows something different. You're walking in a storm. And what happens is that we end up hardening our heart, pointing our finger at other people, other situations, and blaming others so that we can feel good about ourselves because we're the victim. And in some cases, can I just say this? You might be, but it doesn't negate the storm in your life. And Paul didn't sit on his high horse and just go, I told y'all this was going to happen and sit back. No, here's what Paul did. Verse 22 in Acts chapter 27. He says, but now, everybody say, but now. That's Paul's transition. He's saying, it was your fault. You did it. We're in the storm because of you. But now he's about to make a big U-turn, a big change, a big transition. And you can sit in your, st- your storm church or you can say, but now. 
and you can turn the corner with something new. And here's what he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So Paul didn't sit there and start blaming other people. Paul literally said, but now, regardless of your decision, because I know that God is with me, he is Emmanuel, he is God with me, I can let things go like Anna and Elsa. Let it go. Think about it. I can let it go. I don't have to keep blaming you and sitting in this storm. I can turn the corner and say, but now our God is going to do something. Listen to me. I want you to catch this truth. And I'm going to give you a few of them today. And this one, I want you to take a picture, write down. Because God is with me, I can forgive others and myself. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Chris? I don't care if it's your fault, someone else's fault, or whatever. The storms of life are here, but because God is with me, I can move past why they're here. Listen to that again. I don't care why the storms of life are there, but because God is with me, I can move past and forgive myself or forgive others why the storm is there. Because I know that if God is with me, then he has forgiven me. And how dare I hold on to something and blame someone else? Listen to me. When God has forgiven me. And some of you are way too hard on yourself. And you think you have to sit and sulk in your storm because you caused it. I get it. I've made foolish decisions too. But there's a moment in time where you say, but now my God will pick me back up because he's Emmanuel, God, with me. And he's gonna move me beyond this storm. He's gonna move me beyond this storm. And so Paul lets things go. So can we. And he began to say, God isn't just away from us in the storm. He's with us in the storm. And Paul knew that. So he begins to tell the story. Here's what he says, verse 23. It says, last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Paul said, let me tell you why I've turned a corner because God stood beside me. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but God is with us in more ways than we can even ask or imagine. I am full believer in the fact that right now, as we're sitting here, whether listening online in your car on a podcast or sitting right here in the church, and you're just kind of listening and passively listening, and we're just quietly and taking, reflecting, there is a spiritual war waging for the souls of man. It is not, let me just say this right now, it is not just some like, they're not waging for your car, they're not trying to get you to steal your money. That, that's, I believe angels are fighting right now because everything, everything comes down to the souls of men and women and where they will spend eternity and who they are now. It is a spiritual war that is happening beyond what we can see. And so it's really cool in this verse as we see that God intervened and come crossed over and sent an angel to Paul to encourage him. And God wants to be with us, to dwell with us. It is his nature. 
And I love it because it's not just through angels that God's visit us. I don't know if you know this, but if you're a born again believer, you have, the Bible says you have the spirit of the living God living, living inside of you. That means where I go, it goes. I don't know, you, you, you can move in, you can juke all you want, it doesn't matter. It's not going anywhere. The spirit of the living God lives inside of you. Think about this for a moment, just pause. The spirit of the most high God chooses to dwell inside of broken vessels like me and you. It is unspeakable. And when we think about that, now I go, oh, God is with us. Like literally everywhere I go, he is with me. Yes, it's all about who you are with. Who is with you? And how many of you know that you respond differently when you, you know you're with someone that has some power, some strength, some might. Come on, how many know that, right? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, I know for me, growing up playing football, I was always around bigger guys. I'm not a big guy, but I was around bigger guys. And especially in college and NFL, I loved being around some of the offensive linemen, defensive linemen. These guys are 6'6", 6'3", 6'4", 300 pounds, can move, just gentle giants. And I say they're gentle because most of them never fought a fight in their life. They didn't have to when you're that big, right? And I would always like dap them up, like, what's up, my man? And I'd give them a hug. And I'd just stay there for a second, like, you're so big right now. My face is at your shoulder and it's weird, you know? And give them a hug. And I felt like in that moment, like you feel secure. You're like, this is awesome, you know? I'm hugging another guy, but I don't care, you know? And, and I would love going places with them and going to restaurants and going places because like, People would look, they're like gawking, like, oh, what, is, what do they do? You know, I walk in, they're like, ooh, is that the kicker? I'm like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But like, like, legitimately, I, I'm like a regular guy, like, hey, but when I walk with them, I'm like, yeah, what's up, guys? What's going on? And I'll, I'll intentionally get in between two of them and just like kind of pretend they're my bodyguards for a moment. I'm just like, but, but when I'm with them, how many of you know, like, you feel powerful, like no one's going to mess with us right now. If anything, I'm just going to be like, what, you want something? Talk to him. Don't, don't come, at, come at me, bro. Don't come at me, bro. And it's interesting, like, you feel powerful when you're with these big guys. And, like, I feel bigger than I am when I'm with them. I'm like, man, I'm a giant. And then, nope, I'm not a giant at all. But, but you feel bigger. Why? Because it's about who you're with. When you know who you're with, you respond differently. Watch this. What if you knew that the spirit of the living God was dwelling inside of you? He said, I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. How would you respond to that storm? How would you respond to that storm? We see it in the book of Matthew. The disciples, they didn't respond the right way. If you know the story, they're, they get in a boat with Jesus and Jesus falls asleep. He's tired. So Jesus falls asleep and he's sleeping and then they come into a storm, all of a sudden raging winds and waves and rain and, and they're like, we're gonna drown, you know? And Jesus is like sleeping in the boat and he's just chilling, taking a rest. And then all of a sudden they're like waking, trying to wake Jesus. Eventually Jesus wakes up, wipes asleep from his eyes, stretches for a second, yawns. And they're like, Jesus, don't you care that we're gonna drown? Don't you care about us? And Jesus, like only he can do, the word says he rebuked the winds and the waves and the seas calmed down. And he looked at the disciples and he said, 
Why do you have such little faith? Here's what he's saying. Listen to me. Here's what he's saying. He says, why are you so worried about the waves when you have the wave maker in your boat? Why are you worried about the storm when you have the storm calmer in your boat? Because the disciples forgot who they were with. And they didn't realize that it was Emmanuel, God, with us. And when we realize that God is with us, we can respond like King David did in Psalm 16, one of my favorite Psalms, where he says, I know the Lord is always with me. I know he is with me, so I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. This is the faith that Paul had in that boat. That God is with me. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. He is with you. He is for you. So Paul begins to go on in verse 23. He said, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong to, whom I serve, he stood beside me, verse 24, and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. An angel came from the Lord and tells Paul, Paul, the ship may go down, but you're not going down with the ship. Let me tell you, some of you are in a storm right now. The storm is not the end of you, though the storm will end. The ship will go down and it might go down, but you won't be on it. You see, because for the believer, it's different. For the born again believer, I walk with a different confidence. I walk with a different faith. Why? Because God is with me. He is with me. He is with me. And I love how the angel didn't just say, hey, you're going to make it through this storm. The angel went ahead and told him the future of why you're going in this. He said, hey, I want to let you know, he, you're not going to just make it through the storm. You're actually going to stay in trial before Caesar, before the emperor, before the highest of highs in the government, and you're going to tell him about me. What does that mean, Pastor Chris? It means this, because God is with me, I can have hope that God has a plan for me. I want you to see that this morning. Because God is with me, I can have a hope that God has a plan for me. A plan. It's not my plan. It's his plan. It's his plan. And I don't care how big the storm is. The storm will never deter God from the plan that he has for you. That there is no way that this storm is bigger than the plan that he has. And oftentimes we can get distracted by the waves and the winds and everything else. When honestly, when you're going through the storm, can I just tell you? You end up going through it and we look back at that storm in that season and go, I'm so glad I went through that. You're actually thankful after the storm. Why? Because it pushed you to your destiny. I'm wondering where Paul would have ended up. Listen to me. I'm wondering where Paul would have ended up if the storm hadn't pushed him to his destiny and formed something in him that he couldn't get on his own. And the great part about it is it was never just about Paul. What do you mean, Pastor Chris? What I mean by that is your storm is not just for you. Matter of fact, listen to this. 
God will use what you learn in this storm to help someone through theirs. That's just who he is. Because it's never really about the storm. Michelle and I went through infertility, some of you know, years ago. And now it is a blessing to get to walk with people, to grieve with people, to get to encourage people, to rejoice with people through their infertility journey. It is a joy with us. And now that storm that was so dark, now coming out on the other side, we get to help people walk by faith and not by sight. We get to help them to hold on to a hope and a future that God has a plan and it's a better plan than we can even draw up for ourselves. We have our blueprints. We have what we want, but all of a sudden God goes, that's not good enough. I want more for your life. I want more for your life. I've seen this in Pastor Jacob and Miss Michelle's life where they have a heart for those that lose children because they themselves walk through the storm of losing a child. And you can never know what it's like to lose a child until you've gone through it yourself. And so they love ministering to those in that storm because they've been through it themselves. They've been through it themselves. They had the category five come and knock on their door and they weathered it with God. And now they're going, hey, I wanna let you know I've been through that storm too. God is with you. The storm isn't just about you. It's about what it's doing to you. And now it's what it's about doing through you. Maybe some of you survived cancer. Can I encourage you? Now is your time to help someone else fight the the good fight of faith, to keep believing. Some of you have overcome an unfaithfulness in your marriage. Now is your time to help someone else learn how to forgive. Some of you have climbed out of debt by giving to God what is God. And now it's your time to encourage others that it can be done. Some of you are 178 days and four hours sober. And now it's your time to tell people that Jesus can set you free from anything. The storm isn't just about you. Because God's with me, I know he has a plan to move beyond this. And as we close this morning, Paul finishes up his charge, his storm like this. Verse 25, he says, so keep up your courage. Keep up your courage, men. For I have found faith in, for I have faith in, I have faith in God. Paul didn't say, I have faith in the ship. Paul didn't say, I have faith in the plan. Watch this. Paul didn't even say, I have faith in the angel. He said, I have faith in God. Your faith should not be in the solution that gets you out of the storm. Your faith should be in the one who can calm the storm. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Here's where we close. Because God is with me, I can have faith in what God says, not in what I see. Not in what I see. (laughs) 
If you read the rest of that chapter, which I encourage you to do, it goes on to talk about it. And it literally the next verse that comes into play, it says on day 14, so there's two weeks of a storm raging. I don't know when Paul gave the speech, but I can imagine that maybe it was day three, four, five, or six. And it took a while for them to come up to day 14 where they were gonna see daybreak, where they were gonna see land, where they were gonna run aground on an island that God had a plan for life. I can imagine that after they said that, the crew was like, yes, we believe, we believe, we believe. And they expected it to like go away right there, but they were still in the storm for a while. And it's so hard to have faith when all you see are the waves around you. It's so hard to have faith when all you feel is the rain coming down upon you. It is so difficult to have faith because what I see isn't speaking to God. But all Paul had and all the crew had, listen to me, was the fact of what God said would be done. What he said was gonna be done was no one will be lost. I'm going to stand upon that even if the storm continues to rage. Because this faith, this life will not be walked by sight. It has to be walked by faith. Because if God said it, I'm gonna believe it. If God said it, it will be done. If God said it, I'm gonna stand upon it. Because God is with me. This is so hard to see. And especially in times of death, this is very hard to see. It's very hard to experience. I was visiting with a, a woman this past week and talking with her. And she came to me and she said, Pastor Chris, I, I just, strong Christian. She said, I just want you to know, I don't believe in the power of prayer. I said, really? And I could have right there just snapped back and gave her about a million reasons why she should and why she has. But I didn't. I said, well, tell me what happened. And she said, we prayed for her. We prayed for her. She's crying. We prayed for her. I said, what are you talking about? She said, we had over a thousand people praying for this one person to be healed of cancer and it didn't work. And all she can see in this moment is death. All she can see in this moment is where death leads to a broken body. But what she can't see is what God said. And here's what Jesus said. He said, though someone may die, they will actually live. So faith comes when we don't see it. We just have to believe it. And she's weeping and she's crying because she's in a storm. And her eyes are telling her God wasn't good. But God is saying, I've always been good. Listen, I know it can be frustrating at times. I know the storm rages at times. I know, listen. that your eyes can fool you. 
But if we can hold on to what he says and not what we see, listen, I can't control the storm when it comes, if it comes, how long it stays or how bad it is, but I surely can control who I listen to in the storm. And I'm gonna choose to listen to the God who's speaking to me, who is with me in the storm, not the outside world, not my eyes, not myself that's telling me it's is doomed. The world is doomed. The world is doomed, but it's doomed for a renewal of what is to come. We have to stand firm and we have to listen to the one who the psalmist says that God is our shelter and strength. He is my shelter, my strength. He's my shelter that when the rain's coming down, I believe he has an umbrella going, I'm with you. (laughs) I believe he's our strength. He's the one that when we feel like we can't go on, he's moving our legs to step. Or many times, watch this, he ends up carrying you through the storm. For he is our shelter and a strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. That is our God. So we will not be afraid. And even if the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage, the hills are shaken by violence, God is with us. So Father, this morning we thank you. Thank you that that's what Christmas is all about, God. It's not about a manger. It's not about a baby. It's not about some wise men. It's not even about Mary and Joseph, God. It all goes back to the fact that Christmas is about the fact that a good God wants to dwell with his creation. Thank you that you are with us. And even in the storms of life, whether we cause them or they happen to us, whatever the case may be, God, I thank you that you are with us in the storms, that you are molding us, shaping us, guiding us. You're utilizing the storm. You're working everything together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. It will be good. If it's not done, you're not done, God. We thank you for that today. This morning, I want to pray for those. Holy Spirit's really put it on my heart with all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Maybe you're in a stormy season right now. I just, I want you to just to kind of lift both hands. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Just lift both hands to heaven. Don't lift them to me. If you're in a stormy season right now, no one's looking except for me. I just want you to lift your hands all over this place. Just God is with you. I just want you to begin to whisper that. As I begin to pray over you, I want you to begin to whisper, God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. Drowned out the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. He is with me. He is with me. Father in heaven, as we declare that with our hearts, with our mouths, we thank you. It is the truth. And with everybody's hands who is lifted high, Lord, they're in a stormy season right now. They're going through it. The waves are high. The storm is raging on. It feels like hope is lost. God, hope is never lost in you. And because you are with us and because this season, this Christmas season points to your goodness and your grace, God, we will stand firm and have faith. God, you're not done yet. We believe that, God. You're not done with our children. 
You're not done with our situation, our finances, our job. God, you're not done with our spouse. You're not done. God, moving and guiding us. You're not done yet. So Holy Spirit, would you minister to those that are in stormy seasons right now? They can't see the daybreak, Lord, but they can just rely that you are with them. Lord, I pray that even tonight, Lord, you would even, like Paul, send some of your angels, Lord, to speak directly to some of them, Lord, to minister to their hearts. For we believe that you're a good God that guides in a good and amazing way. It's in Jesus' name. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Some of you are in here and you just need to take the first step of God dwelling with you. It's not by being good enough. It's not by trying to do the right thing. It's about being born again. And what is that, Pastor Chris? Well, being born again is you are spiritually dead and the only one that can make you alive is Jesus. And it's by faith in him, we place our faith in him that we are born again. It only happens once where you make a, a declaration, a commitment to him to walk together forever. Not in perfection, but in direction. And I want to offer that to you this morning if you've never been born again. Some of you have been in church your whole life. You've never been born again. Some of you said, well, I'm Protestant, I'm Catholic, or I've been baptized or Christian. All those are great things, but that's not what makes you born again. Placing your faith, committing your life to Jesus, surrendering all is what makes you born again. And on count of three, if you go, Pastor Chris, would you include me in your born-again prayer? We're going to say a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith in Jesus that saves you. But if you go, Pastor Chris, include me in that born-again prayer. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm the only one looking. And by raising your hands, you're placing your faith in Jesus to be born again. One, God has called you here for a reason. Two, he's calling you home. Three, if you go, Pastor Chris, that's me. Include me. I see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you. Lift your hands high. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. Last 10 seconds. If you raise your hand once, you don't ever have to raise it again. But if you go, Pastor Chris, include me in your born again prayer. I want you to raise it now. Anyone else? This one's for you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised this morning, let's pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin to be born again. Say this with me, God is my Father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.